and welcome to Backstage Gaming, dramatic takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris. DJ Dizzy Drillin. Oh. <laughs> Need to go. Well, goodbye, everybody. That's our episode <laughs> for the week. I like surprising you. That's um. fair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Dylan. And we're here <laughs> to talk about games and storytelling and how those things go together and as promised last week, we actually like picked a topic in advance this time. We did planning. I have a pad of notes in front of me. Like we should do the same thing for next week. We, we really should. <laughs> let's keep this well, ball let's rolling. Not, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Oh my god! Um, yeah, no, let's. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this week I'm really excited. We are going to be talking about Celeste. It's a game that came out a year or two ago. I want to say. Yeah, and I didn't get to play it because I was playing another game we shilled endlessly. <laughs> That's fair. Um, <laughs> but Celeste is, it's an independent game. It was developed by a team of like five people, primarily two people, but like, you know, with help from other people for things that were outside of their area of expertise. And it is a very charming pixel art platforming game. And immediately from that, I knew I was going to love it, because platformers are one of my favorite genres of games, and they do not get enough love in the current era the, of... The year of our Lord, 2019, or yeah. 2018 was when it came out. Yeah, but either way, like, it's it's a genre that has kind of fallen by the wayside, uh, at least as far as, you know, AAA development goes. And so, seeing a game like Celeste come out and become a critical and public darling can tell you it's a real fun game to play it is an incredibly challenging very tight platformer i was i was watching a speed run of it of it the other day and one of the guys on the couch referred to it as the hardest game that anyone can beat mm. which i think is actually a very good descriptor of it and part of why that works so well I'll, i will get into uh later on but we wanted to do kind of like a deep dive in because in addition to being a very tight and well-designed platformer it's also a really interesting story about being a human being with personal demons and it has a really the, the main character madeline has an incredibly powerful and well-told story of like how she learns to you know get past the things that are in her way uh i feel like we should say right now uh Full spoiler warning. Yeah, we uh, we we are just, going to be discussing the minutia of how this story works and how it tells itself. And for that, we are going to need to spoil it. So if you haven't played Celeste and want to and care about spoilers, you know, bye bye. We'll talk to you next week. I guess. Yes. Uh, um, second second disclaimer. Um, I am still going through this game. I am on the final level, but uh, I just. I couldn't get to the end by the time we started recording this episode. So this is fresh in my mind. And so yeah. and, especially and the ending details. So I guess I a, a follow-up a follow up, uh, disclaimer. I have not beaten the entirety of the game. I have beaten, you know, the main story. I've done a couple of the B-sides, which are uh, unlockable, like extra hard versions of each level. But I have not done all of the B-sides. And as such, I have not unlocked like the final like level nine secret mission but by the time you get there 
uh, Madeline's main sort of story arc has concluded, and that's what we're kind of focusing on today. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully there's nothing in there that's like overwhelmingly different that changes everything about what we're going to talk about. But yeah, I I guess for starters, now that we've thrown the spoiler warning out, Celeste is a game about as much as anything. It's a game about anxiety. Yes, and it's a game about self doubt, and it's a game about coming to terms with and dealing with those facets of being a person. And I, don't, I guess I want to put my cards on the table because I have a very specific way that I have been kind of digging into this game that I'm, I'm okay. curious to talk about. And then I want to hear, you know, the angle that you've been coming at it, Dylan. Okay. Um, I'm thinking right now, just like, we can just kind of lay down like the characters. We can go through Madeline, uh, Madeline rather, and Theo and the old lady. Yeah. Just kind of lay the cast down. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, See, so the game is about this girl named Madeline, who has come to a mountain called Celeste to climb it. And the first thing that happens narratively uh, at the end of like the prologue chapter is she runs into this little old lady who basically is just like, "Don't climb the mountain. You can't <laughs> climb the mountain." And then she just like cackles as at you as you you know thumb your nose at her and walk past. She cackles in Animal Crossing speak, <laughs> which somehow <laughs> makes it more condescending. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> Madeline then proceeds to begin climbing the mountain. Uh, mechanically, what's interesting is that, and this is sort of the the angle that I've been doing my my investigation, and I will I will dig deeper on this after we get through this sort of synopsis. Every level, every chapter of the game, is broken up by like a different portion of the mountain that you're climbing. And every chapter includes a unique platforming element, or sometimes several unique platforming elements uh, that are only contained in that chapter and then the very final chapter, the summit, when you when it all kind of like comes together into a big gauntlet. Yeah. And what I realized as I was revisiting the levels in this game in preparation for this episode is that there is a progression in your control over those platforming elements as the game goes on. Oh, shit, you're right. That mirrors Madeline's whole journey, which is, a like, yes, it's about her climbing a mountain, but that is a metaphor, and it is, you know, full of smaller metaphors for her learning to climb, you know, this internal mountain of her demons, her anxiety, her self-doubts, uh, which is represented pretty well well i guess before we get to that uh in the first chapter you run into another climber uh a guy named theo who is a great character i fucking love theo theo is a plus people uh and theo is another climber he is he's i don't know if he ever says that he's actually like an instagram celebrity but he's definitely like trying to be yes uh or like i i he says he has a lot of followers, but, like, you know, that could mean anything. Yeah. <laughs> but he's, he's, you know, he's climbing the mountain to get the pictures to build up that sweet, sweet social media clout. Purportedly. He and Celeste sort of have a couple run-ins over the course of the game. They, they travel together sorry, for a brief he and period. Two? He and Madeline, shut up. Uh, <laughs> Celeste is the, is the doctor. Uh, you're yeah. referring to Celeste's, Celeste's monster. monster. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Uh, and then shortly thereafter, after you meet with Theo, the next chapter in uh, chapter three, no, chapter two, I'm sorry, you 
You remember? You all remember a couple episodes ago when we talked about Prince of Persia and how you you jump through the mirror and it releases the Dark Prince. Well, that that done that happened. Ma- that that gone done happened to Madeline too. Um, you go into this kind of spooky old temple, and while while she is in this sort of old temple, she comes to a mirror, and out of the mirror comes a reflection of her that I discovered while doing research for this is referred to as Badalyn. Um, yes. Which is adorable. Uh, <laughs> and Badalyn is, it's you, but with sort of like a, a sallow gray skin and red eyes and purple hair. Yeah. And she proceeds to chase you through this temple and you have to escape from her. Which I'm, I'm going to add real quick. Like that is probably one of my favorite uh, quote-unquote set pieces in this game. It's so good. It's so much fun. Next chapter takes place in a in an old abandoned hotel where you you help uh, the ghost of the hotel's concierge to, like, clean everything up. But then at the end, once that's happened, Badalyn shows up and just, like, badmouths both you and the concierge until he turns into a spooky ghost man and tries to kill you. Yep. Next up, there's... Probably my favorite level in the game from a platforming perspective uh, is mm-hmm. called, like, the Golden Ridge or something, and it is you having to climb through, like, wind and... It doesn't, oh, yeah, yeah. To it my does memory, the Ninja Gaiden 2 thing, yeah, which to I my realize memory, is a game you haven't played. <laughs> uh, I don't believe Badalyn shows up. I think Theo shows up near the end, but for most of it, it's just platforming challenges made more difficult by the fact that there are strong winds blowing in a whole bunch of different directions that you have to contend with as well. Yeah. Then you get to a real fucking nightmare of a level in which you end up in like an ancient eldritch the temple. temple. Oh god, yeah. Theo, okay. is, Theo is abducted into the mirror dimension. You have to like explore these twisting hallways to find him and when you finally find him you have to rescue him from these like blobfish monsters and yeah. it's nightmarish there's a whole bunch of puzzles like he's trapped in a crystal so you have to be carrying the crystal and using the crystal as an element in these platforming puzzles it's fantastic uh i'm, I'm gonna say real quick that the getting the strawberries for that stretch of gameplay was one of the hardest things oh for God. me yeah no that that level kicked my ass yeah um <laughs> then you get a level in which the it begins with a moment of Celeste at night coming face-to-face with Bad... Or, God, I keep saying Celeste. Madeline at night coming face-to-face with Badalyn, and they have a conversation about, like, what's going on and why this is happening. And that conversation goes south. Yep. Madeline falls down the mountain. <laughs> yep. All in, the way. <laughs> all the way into this, like, enchanted garden zone that she has to explore yeah. that ends in... A boss fight against Badalyn. Yeah. But what's interesting is you're not hitting, you're not like harming Badalyn. You don't have any you're attacks. You're approaching her. You don't, yeah, you don't have it. The Like there is nothing in this game that gives you the ability to do harm to others. You can like ju- Mario jump on some projectiles and that. Yeah, but even like, then it's Even like, the eldritch creatures, you can kind of knock them out for like a couple seconds if you jump on them. But that's not what is being conveyed here. Yeah. And so the way that you win this boss fight is just by reaching her. And at the end of that, there's a brief conversation which Madeline and Badalyn sort of... Reconcile. Yeah, like, 
they they reconcile not in and I I love the I love the story of Celeste because Madeline is the personification of everything that is holding Madeline back, which is why she serves as the opposition. Yeah, she is an internal obstacle made manifest, and she is all of those self doubts, all of that anxiety, all of the like those things that really like whether or not you have you know diagnosed anxiety or depression or you're just a human being with history and baggage that is a very relatable thing yeah and i love the way that they reconcile because it's not like madeline beats madeline it's not madeline like subsuming madeline it is they come to recognize that like both of us have a place here both of us are doing things that are necessary we just need to stop fighting each other about it and this is then conveyed because it's conveyed in two ways. Oh yeah, it's so good. Uh, for one yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one thing, you now have a double dash. The main mechanics in the game is you can jump and you can dash. And once you dash, you can't dash again until you touch the ground or hit one of like the interactable objects and, that are involved. And in you can also dash in eight directions. I feel yeah. like that's important to point out. In the end of chapter six, once you have reconciled with Battle in it, you have two dashes now. So now you can dash twice in midair before hitting the ground or interacting with an object, which opens up much more intricate platforming puzzles. And also in Chapter 7, then, as you move into the summit, where you have to climb all the way back up, Chapter 7 is sort of a, a mini-revisit of all of the previous chapters before it yeah. gets to its own final summit approach. And the way that you get from mini-chapter to mini-chapter is you will come to a stage where there are small purple bubbles floating. And when you reach those, Badalyn, you know, comes out of you and flings you up and you have to, like, reach Badalyn several times as she helps catapult you further and further up the screen until finally you reach the apex and the two of you together are able to, like, hurl yourselves into the next chapter. And it's, item one, some really fucking fun platforming. Yeah. Like, that's kind of the underpinning of all of this is this is an incredibly tight and fun-to-play game. <laughs> yeah, all of the... All of the platforming elements they do uh reinforce the story which we'll get into once we get through uh this but it's it's just really i don't really know how to describe it without actually breaking it down so i guess yeah. we'll just roll uh, right into that yeah and then <laughs> or did you have anything else you wanted to say no, that's ma that's mostly it is it's it okay. this chapter serves as both a culmination because at the end of it you do reach the summit and you you know you do what you set out to do mm-hmm but it's also such a great culmination because now this thing that has been pushing back against you because you've been pushing against it, you found a way to work together with it. And, like, yes, this is a very simplistic way of looking at issues of mental health. Like, obviously, just face your fears about it is not, you know, a medical diagnosis. Right. But as a metaphor for learning to deal with these things that hold us all back... It's really elegant, and it's really well done, and I think that it's a fascinating look at that through the gameplay. Yeah. I, I think, you know, if it was the text just presented as is, you could make that argument that it feels kind of cheap, but I feel like it's reinforced well enough in the, the mechanics and mm -hmm, the platforming, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and just the... I, I almost said, like, zeitgeist of game design, which feels very pretentious, <laughs> but, like... Uh... <laughs> yeah, the, their whole... I mean, we talked about aesthetic recently... It, they they have a very tight mechanical aesthetic that they're going for. And all yeah. of the challenges, even as they're introducing all of these different elements that complicate them, it's all the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's variations on one very tight theme that helps to reinforce the narrative message. 
So I guess now let's let's start talking about the individual like elements of the game that make this story so compelling. I do want to throw out before we we dive into it, Game Maker's Toolkit, the YouTube channel, uh, did a really really great video on the actual like game design elements at play mm-hmm. in Celeste, and he interviewed the developers and like. If you're curious about the actual, like, meat and potatoes of what's going on under the hood, that's a great video to watch because he breaks down things like the height of the jump, the things like air friction, how the dash actually works. All oh, that's cool. It's a great um, video. I, I um, didn't watch it because I didn't want to spoil the game for myself. That's totally fair. Uh, <laughs> it's a really good video, and he does a much better job of breaking down the actual, like, technical things that are going on than we will be able to do, not being game designers. Yeah, exactly. Um, but... We're going to be talking kind of about the, the narrative implication of these mechanics. One thing I want to throw out, because this is a game that does something very well. Celeste is a very hard game. Celeste is unforgiving. There's, there's a couple levels in there that I have over 500 deaths in. Yeah. Um, and the designers have said, like, in, in the game, one of the things that they mention is that, like, the difficulty is an intentional element of the game. Yeah. The difficulty is a part of how they want the story to be told. They want you to experience the frustration and experience the like the challenge of the game because it works with the theming and it works with the message and it makes those moments of catharsis near the end that much more rewarding. Yeah. But Celeste also has one of the most elegantly done assist modes in the game. Yeah. It I actually haven't checked out those options, so if you could Yeah, it it doesn't make any of the challenges harder. It like or easier rather. It doesn't like dumb down the challenge of completing the platforming puzzles. All well, like, it does sometimes there's just there's just going to be something that you cannot get yeah. past. Yeah. All it does is it removes the impenetrable barrier. So if you are if you are playing and you come to a challenge that just is beyond you for whatever reason, maybe you're not like a veteran gamer with decades of time playing platformers under your hand. So like you come to a challenge that just like you can't get the timing or you can't figure out the spacing or whatever it is, you can get past it and continue to experience the rest of the story. Oh, I just saw something like infinite stamina and like that would be helpful just just through virtue of like giving you more time to kind yeah. of plan out your next stretch. Yeah. It's it's really elegant and it that is, you know, in there's the ongoing debate about whether games should have easy modes, which I think is dumb because I think they should in general. <laughs> but like I think that the way that the developers handled that element of Celeste and handled their difficulty is really beautiful mm-hmm. because they understand and they intend it to be a frustrating game but they don't want that frustration and they don't want like lack of you know experience or lack of ability or you know different abledness to prevent you from experiencing the story if you want to experience the story right and i think that that's great now let's talk about all the things that make this such a fucking fun and hard platformer yeah let's let's go so like i said earlier I took down the notes I took down is I just wanted to make sure that I was correct about this. So I wrote down all of the unique elements that appear in each chapter, platforming puzzle wise, because 
like we said, mechanically, you as Celeste, you have a jump and you have a dash, and you can grab onto walls and like you know wall jump. Those yeah. are your tools. Um, there's also also worth noting, like I kind of mentioned earlier, is uh, when you grab onto walls, you have a stamina meter that doesn't really get recharged until you are standing on a on even ground, or you collect or, a diamond. Or you collect a diamond, yeah, right? So, Those replenish your stamina. Yeah, the, the other <laughs> things, there are there are challenge, there are certain items that appear across more or less all of the levels. And those are springs, which, as you might expect, you touch them and you bounce off. Which uh, also replenish your stamina. Which, yeah. In general, really interacting with any object that isn't just like hanging onto a wall will replenish will your stamina your, and give you yeah. your dash back. So there's there's springs which launch you in a direction. There are uh, diamonds that float in the air that if you touch them, they will give you your stamina and your dash back just in midair. And there are platforms that will disappear or fall as you touch them. I think those are the only ones that are like consistent throughout the game. Yeah. Other than that, each level introduces its own unique mechanic or handful of mechanics. And what I discovered is that as the game goes on, they start out as things that just sort of happen. And you have to figure out how to use what they are doing to suit your ends. But as the game goes on, they introduce more and more mechanical pieces that you have agency over, and that you have increasing agency over. And so in that way, the platforming challenges that they present to you start out as how do I deal with this thing I have no control over and end up at a place of how do I string together all of these things that I do have control over to get to the end of this challenge? Which, as a macrocosm, is a beautiful mechanical representation of the story of the game. Yeah. Like, that's what, the, that's what Celeste is about. Is it, a, it is about a girl learning to take agency over herself and over her challenges and her history and her baggage and learn to channel that into something productive and when i had that realization i legitimately like i i was sitting playing the game doing this note taking i was like holy shit this is cool <laughs> um so good so specifically in chapter one there are i've heard a lot of different names for all of these different obstacles so i'm going with what i wrote down uh okay the main the main thing in chapter one are traffic light blocks they are blocks that are suspended in the air, and they're on conveyor belts, and they've got, like, a little traffic light on them, because in Chapter 1, you're exploring, like, a ruined city. Oh, those were in Level 1, weren't they? Yeah, well... Sorry, the whole game's, like, a blur in my that's mind. That's totally fair. Um, <laughs> and so how these work is just when you touch them, either landing on top of them or climbing or grabbing onto the side of them, they move very quickly in the direction of their conveyor belt. And so the puzzles here are based around either jumping off at the end of that movement so that the momentum will send you flying or sometimes like touching it and letting it move and then using the fact that it is moved while it is slowly resetting to get around it but again it's a very like this is just a thing in the world that you need to grab onto and hope it works yeah and that's really it in chapter one chapter two introduces again there's a lot of different names. I heard, I read one name for these that someone calls them Space Jam, and I love that, so that's what I'm going to call it. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's, uh, that's a good one. But in Chapter 2, you come across, like, these sort of jelly-looking, but originally impenetrable barriers. Yeah. 
And then when you hit the half point way, halfway point of the level and you release Badalin, suddenly you can interact with them. Mm-hmm. And how they work is they're, they're, you know, variable size. But if you dash into one, you will travel through it in a straight line corresponding to the way you were dashing out the other side. If that other side happens to be against a wall, you die. Yep. And so they build a lot of puzzles around maintaining... You also get your dash back once you leave. Yeah. The, uh, I, and, I know we established that. Yeah, and as I discovered in the uh, in the B-side for that level, you can jump right as you leave to yep. get a further distance jump out of it. So again, lots of different mechanical things going on here. But at its core, it's again, you don't have a ton of agency over these things. You just dash into them and hope you got the angle right so you don't die on the way out. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm seeing I'm seeing the pattern now. Yeah, it it continues. Uh before we dive too much further in, uh we've been recording for a bit. What do you say we we take to the playbill? Yeah. We come back, we finish this sort of chapter by chapter breakdown, and then we do, you know, some wrap up thoughts. Yeah, okay. Uh I might I might start injecting a bit more of my thoughts in the yeah, second please, half. Please please <laughs> do. Please do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to feel like <laughs> I, I'm I, I realize I've been you. quiet, but I'm like, wow, Chris has really taken uh all these notes and I'm just kinda <laughs> going off of my impressions. <laughs> <laughs> Which are also valuable. Which are also valuable, yeah. But I just wanted I wanted to let you get the you know, the hard facts. You know what way. else is valuable? Those what, sweet, Chris? sweet plugs. Yeah. Come along. Can't get enough of them. Can't <laughs> get can't get enough of that shit. Here we are in the Playville. Yeah, here we are. Uh, this is where we talk about other shows that we're in and other projects that we have going on and other things that are happening. Yep. Uh, hey, Dylan. Hey, Chris. You like giant robots. I do. I like giant robots. You do. If I wanted to know your opinion about certain things involving giant robots, how would I do that? Other than just talking to you because you're my good, good friend. Dude, you remember Macross? That's no. the name of the show. Ha <laughs> um, ha. So, yeah, I, I, I talk with a mutual friend of ours, Coop. Uh, we talk about uh, the old 80s anime, uh, Super Dimensional Fortress Macross, and its, uh, its sequels, uh, Associated Media... We had you, Chris, you. Uh, we had you on the show uh, to talk about uh, the old legendary 80s OVA gunbuster. Um, and, you know, it's it's just a show where we, we kind of shoot the shit about 80s mecha anime. I prove how much of a nerd I am. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, more so than I do here. <laughs> it's really bad. Uh, uh, I, I try to examine uh, the episodes critically, uh through, like, characterization, plot trajectory. I'm not an animation expert, so you won't really hear me talk about that unless it's really impressive, because I don't like to bag on, you know, animation that I perceive as stiff. Uh, And, you know, I also try to look at it through the lens of, like, maybe what cultural statements were going on at the time, you know, as an American, as an American millennial. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But you know, just the just true try experts to... in all things. No, but like yeah. you know, just just kind yeah. of like taking looking at this show I like of this genre I love and try to you know try to uh, engage with it in in multiple ways. Um, and so yeah, if you want to check that out, you can find us at anchor.fm/slash/dude. You remember.
That is D-U-D-E-Y-O-U, remember. Um, we are on Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. Aw, yes. You should also go and show some love. If you like narrative, if you like storytelling, <gasps> if you like goofballs playing games, uh, you goofballs. should go check out The Unexplored Places. It is an actual play podcast GM'd by our friend Christine. Uh, they finished up season one about a month, month and a half ago. In the meantime, they've been doing a bunch of fun one-shot campaigns like Oh Dang, Bigfoot Stole My Car with My Best Friend's Birthday Present Inside and a recent three-part fiasco game titled Catfishes the Rock Opera. It's fucking great. I got involved, I've been involved with them for these interstitial episodes and some of their Patreon-exclusive content, which Dylan's also involved with, a, uh, mystery, a mystery series set in Victorian London called Florence DeWitt's Paranormal Detective Agency. And coming up in October, I think maybe come, I, it might be launching right after, like, the day after this episode, season two's coming out, sci-fi adventure, actual play, it's great, and you can find them and check them out by going to unexploredcast.libsyn.com or by looking for at unexploredcast on Twitter. It's great. I love it. It's fun. Um, <laughs> you should also follow me on Twitter, CJ Wilson VA. I post an equal part of shit posts that make me laugh and announcements and retweets for people in the voiceover like voiceover industry and amateur voiceover artists and things like that uh that's where i just post like shit what's going on with me and i'll be making a very cool announcement for me in just under two weeks time i can't really say more Ooh. about it until then but your boy made a uh, made a big step forward in his voiceover career that i'm very excited to tell oh, everyone dude, about. Uh, that's exciting all yeah. right yeah yeah you know, definitely let me know when NDA will do uh, allows you. And okay. you should also follow Dylan on Twitter. Dylan, where can the people find you? You can find me at the Dilla. That is T H A underscore D I L A. Uh, you know, it's just it's mostly shit posts. My opinions about things. Uh, you know, if you post whatever you want, and you know, maybe I'll say hi. That's yeah. that's about it. Uh, <laughs> and then we have to say thank you to a couple of groups. Item one, we have to say thank you to the HP Video Game Podcast Network. They are a new network of video game-based podcasts, and we are a member of them, and we are incredibly grateful for being invited to be a part of that. Uh, they've got a bunch of different shows, ranging from sort of game news stories, like game news chats, like uh, the Handsome Phantom podcast, or uh, Super Gamer Boys, to more industry-side things, like Game Dev Diaries. Uh, there's a whole bunch of different takes on this medium that we all love. You can find them... Uh, the whole network on Twitter at HPVG Network, and you should check them out. Give some of the other shows a listen, uh, and you know, enjoy what they have to say. And finally, we have to say thank you to our patrons. Thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/BSGPod. This show is in no small part still going because of you and because of the fact that you have supported us and allowed us to. Uh, you know, not be losing money month after month on month on things like web hosting fees, and that is incredible. If you like what we're doing and want to support it and help us, you know, upgrade recording setups and have more time to do shit, that's the way to do it. Patreon.com slash BSGpod. You'll be able to join our Discord server. There's a bunch of other reward levels. So consider dropping a few bucks if you can. We appreciate each and every one of you who's already done that. That's all I've got playbill-wise. Anything else for you, Dylan? Um, nah. Nah, I got nothing. All right. I was going to verbal shit post, but then I thought better of it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So let's hop back in to Celeste. To Celeste's monster. Celeste's monster. Chapter four, I mentioned earlier. Uh, we we Well, actually, no, we're on chapter three. We just talked about, you know, chapter one, you've got the, the flinging blocks, the traffic light blocks. Chapter two, you've got the space jam. So again, we're dealing with much more like external things that you have to conform to and you have to learn how to correctly use. Chapter three uh, doesn't actually have any new like platforming element. It's the only chapter that doesn't introduce some new component for you to like bounce off of. Instead, it introduces a new obstacle uh, rather than like stationary spikes, which are the main obstacle in the previous levels. Now there is sort of this black and red sludge coating the inside of this hotel that you're exploring. And some of it moves. There are platforms where, like, once you touch them and jump and move off of them, sludge will grow. So it it, uh, it, it really taps into my fear of being in an old location. Yeah. <laughs> in, like, avoiding cobwebs and, oh my god, is that mold? Yeah. And it it creates a much more threatening world for you to be navigating through yeah uh chapter three is also unique because it introduces locked doors and keys and it's the first chapter with a heavy emphasis on exploration as opposed to linear platforming challenges uh it's still fairly linear but chapter three like the the main set piece in the middle of it is that you have to help uh the the hotel's concierge ghost to put everything in order and clean up the whole hotel. And you do that by going down. There's three different separate passageways, each of which, when you finish it, cleans up one of the types of detritus that's around. And what's interesting about that is you can do them in any order, but then if you do the first one and it cleans up, say, all of the green blocks on the level, then there won't be any green blocks in the next two paths that you take, which means that there are potentially fewer platforms for you to jump onto. So the, the act of cleaning it up makes the subsequent paths more difficult for you. I did not know that. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, <laughs> and, again, this is the first time that we see... Like, there's exploratory elements in the previous chapters. There's side paths you can go down to find strawberries or to find the cassette tape that unlocks the B-side. But the actual path forward is straightforward. It's all, you know, linear platforming challenges and... Chapter 3 introduces an element of find your own way that we will come back to later. And again, it's it's building in a little bit more agency for you as a player and as a as a result for Madeline as a character. Then we get chapter 5, we're back to again a much more straightforward platforming challenge. This is the one with the wind. Uh, it introduces cloud platforms that when you jump on, they kind of bounce back up. So you ha- if you jump right at the peak of that bounce, it'll sort of launch you a little bit further. A lot of this game is very kind of Sonic the Hedgehog-esque, in which it's all about momentum and, like, finding ways to maximize momentum. Yeah. Chapter 4 also introduces the first of two kinds of bubbles. And these yes, are the yes, first... Yes, yes. These are one of the first items that, like, you have real controllable agency over. Yeah. Uh, 
They're little green bubbles, and if you jump or dash into one, you have a brief moment, about half a second, in which you can push a direction on the controller, you know, one of the eight, up, down, left, right, and then the diagonals, and then at whatever direction you're holding after that, you know, brief moment, the bubble will launch you a short distance, about the dis distance of a dash, in that direction, and it refreshes your dash, and so now you're getting these platforming challenges where you might have to, like, jump and dash and bounce off a cloud over some spikes and dash into a bubble and launch use the bubble to launch you up and dash up to a wall that you can climb up. And I love it. They're great. <laughs> it also introduces uh, moving blocks. These sort of Are gray they... blocks with an arrow on them. Okay, yeah, yeah. And if you jump onto those, they will start moving in the direction of the arrow. And some of them you can control and make them move up and down. And so can, there are yeah. challenges where... You have to make sure the block is in line to, like, go through a passageway and then jump over some spikes to land back on the blocks to move it down to go through the next passageway. And all of these things are, like, they're building in more and more mechanical agency for you. You're still having to contend with, like, the box is going to move in that direction. It's going to move into those spikes, so you have to figure out your way around that. Mm -hmm. But between the movability of those boxes and the direction you can choose with those bubbles, they're introducing more and more of, like, you having to make choices about which way to go. And you having the ability to have a little bit more control over how the platforming needs to work out. Then moving to Chapter 5. And Chapter 5 took me so fucking long to beat, I can't even explain it. Uh, chapter 5 is the ruins again, right? Yeah, it's back. Okay, we're that's what we're into the, the spooky dooky ruins where... Leo gets kidnapped into the mirror dimension, and there are cuttlefish that want to eat your brains. Yeah. Um, I actually had a ton of fun exploring this. Uh, like, this this is kind of like the... I don't want to say Metroidvania, because it's it's not, but, like, this one gives you a lot of freedom to explore. There's a lot oh, of yeah. branching paths. It uh, is, it is the optional. most exploratory level yeah. in the game. And what's fun is it's... So, mechanically... Chapter 5 introduces a handful of things. There are switches that you can press by dashing into them that open doors. Yeah. There are blocks that move when you boost. So they're very similar to oh, the, yeah. the... These uh, are actually... I think that might be my favorite mechanic. It's a really uh, fun... It's a really fun thing. But, like, so similar to the uh, the traffic light blocks from Chapter 1, which when you touch them, they sort of fling to the end of their track... These are on a set track, but they don't move when you touch them, they move when you dash. Which means that there's a lot of puzzly platforming sections where, like, I have to go through here, but if I dash to do it, the block will come down to block me. And there are moments where, like, you can, if you're standing on a block that when you dash will move up, you can hold down on the control stick, dash, it will fling you up without you dashing anywhere, and then you can jump to use that momentum to get higher. They use these in such cool ways that I think, yeah. I think they're my favorite puzzle element as well i yeah I, I think it's just because like a it, it's nice having like that degree of control over an entire level at the press of a button exactly but, uh you know it also um forces you to kind of it, it forces you to kind of take it bit by bit and like you know if you're not in danger of getting crushed um by a by a block that's moving back to its original position i mean yeah. Um, but it's it's just, I, I think what's cool about it is that it allows you to 
I, I think it's because, like, even when I've died on that kind of level, like, I'm like, alright, let's try it another way, and sometimes that will have a similar degree of success, but I feel like there's a lot of flexibility with that, and it's based on, like, how you, how your mind works and how you want to tackle the situation. Exactly. It's, chapter 5 gives you the most agency of any level in the game. Yeah. So far. I would agree with that. So yeah. far. So far. Uh, the other other mechanical things in here, there are what I re- termed as long bubbles, which are like the little green launch bubbles from uh, Chapter Four, but uh, instead but they of are being red and ooh, yeah. I love them. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, instead of just launching you a brief distance, like you know the distance of one of your dashes, whatever direction you're holding, they will just go until yeah. they hit a wall or you dash out of them. Yeah, um, oh, it's so much fun. And then yeah, so. Combine all of this with the highly exploratory nature, and what you have is a chapter where, like, frequently the solution will be, like, you need to get to this exit in, like, a chamber. But in order to do that, you need to do a platforming puzzle in the screen above it to hit a switch that will open that door, and then you need to go, like, three stages back through a bunch of platforming puzzles to get into the right bubble that will let you travel all the way through that screen, the next screen, and then through that door (laughs) that you just unlocked. It is the largest and most intimidating stage, but it's also the stage where you feel like you have the most freedom, and I think, like, those two things in conjunction really kind of sell how these levels are considered. Oh, yeah. And then this stage ends with a, a set piece where you travel into, like, the mirror dimension where the fish be to rescue mm. Theo. And so... Infinitely more claustrophobic. Yeah, it's way more claustrophobic. It's way more linear. Uh, because this is a point where, like, you're having to, like, carry this crystal that Leo is encased in and, like, throw it to hit switches to open doors and, like, avoid these fish that if they touch you, they kill you. But here's what's so beautiful. You've just had a chapter that's all about you riddling your way through this maddeningly complex dungeon and exploring all of these, like, much more my-control puzzle elements. And that culminates in a moment of you rescuing someone else. The mechanics of how much control and how much agency you have in Chapter 5 ties into that story beat of what is happening at the end of it. And I I think it's also significant because... The entire game up to this point, like all of your interactions with Theo, uh, whether it's the optional dialogue or, you know, mandatory story cutscene, is Theo feels like he's usually the one in control. He 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 helps Madeline calm down from a panic attack. Um, he's he's a lot more laid back and chill. And it, it really kind of culminates in this moment where like he's he's stuck in this crystal, and I, I think there's a there's a couple lines about how that might represent how he's kind of paralyzed by his own family issues. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's this nice role reversal and it, it kind of solidifies like, Oh, I, I, you know, I do have more agency than I've been giving myself yeah. credit for. I Madeline's come a really long fucking it. way from chapter one. <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't seen this from like, I've only been looking at this dynamic from my perspective, but like, when you get like a more outsider perspective, or or you gain more insight into Theo, yeah, it, it's th- this is kind of the chapter where like you know we would call it the midway point in a in a in storytelling, and it's also the literal midway point between well, almost yeah. So chapter five is exquisite. I fucking love it. Then you get chapter six, 
And you know I've been saying that, like, you're getting more and more agency? Well, what if I told you in Chapter 6 you get the ability to literally fly in whatever fucking direction you want? Because that's what happens. For a limited time. For a limited time. <laughs> but they but introduced... even still, you, you, you can... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, 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 what you're going to say. So, earlier in the story, uh, Theo, when he's uh, helping Madeline uh, down from a, from a panic attack, uh, he, he basically tells her to... And I've, I've seen... Friends do this uh, for other friends who are having panic attacks. Uh, you know, imagine a feather in front of you and start, uh, like, breathing as if, like, your breath is ke- what's keeping it afloat. And just kind of breathe steadily to keep that feather right in front of your face. Yeah, and this um, is this manifest in game is like a little mini challenge where you have to, you know, using the button, control the flow of breath to this feather to keep it within a moving box. Yes, and I didn't even realize it was uh, gameplay prompt at first. I thought it was part of the cutscene, and then I realized, like, oh, okay, they want me to do this, and it was yeah. it was seamless, but still really good. Yeah. Um, and so then in chapter six, there are feathers. Yes. And when you and touch the feathers, the feather, allow you to fly. <laughs> yeah, they let they turn you into like a streak of light, and you can you know it moves in whatever direction your stick is holding when it happens, and then you can like cause it to arc. And so there are a lot of challenges about, like, having to navigate through very bendy, curvy corridors of spikes and things like that. And again, holy cow, this is a far cry from, boy, howdy, I hope I jump off of this block that moves devoid of my interaction at the right moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other elements in Chapter 6 are, I just called them thwomps. I don't know what they're, they're called they're, in game. They're, they're basically thwomps. It's yeah. just that they react to you. Um, so, okay. You 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 take the you use the feathers to like get as high up to the summit as possible, and, and you you talk to Badeline. Is it Badeline or Badeline? I've been calling her Badeline. I don't know I, if it's I, I don't to know Madeline my, or Madeline. No, but... my mind always defaults to Madeline, and I don't know why. Uh, maybe it's because of that old French picture book. She talks. She has a confrontation with Badeline. Badeline's like you're full of shit, and then she falls back to the ground. Um, but all like the bottom, the way to the ground, into the trenches, uh, to the secret garden we were talking about, uh, or way back in the episode. And so, yeah, uh, the the feathers are still there. Like they're still, you still feel like you have control. And now, you are there are these flumps, uh from Mario, basically, where there <laughs> there are these blocks where if you dash into them, they will retaliate yeah by, they get angry uh, and dash towards the direction that you dashed into them and they try to crash they try to crush you but you can use them as a platform and so you like a lot of the you know the trench part of this level or the, the garden uh part of this chapter is kind of manipulating them to yeah to take you where you need to go or to break through barriers or all kinds yeah. of different stuff there are even a couple fun challenges where you need to, like, get them to come towards you, get to the other side, hit them, and then use the momentum they generate to, like, launch yourself. But again, uh, it's... I, I don't know if this is intentional. Uh, sorry to cut you, you off. Go for it. Uh, but there, there's something... There's a feeling of desperation about, like, making a game mechanic about dashing into a wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there definitely is. And it's it's... Again... Yes, the thwomps kind of just, like, move, they just go towards you once you do it, but again, it's all about your actions, and you have much more ability to manipulate them than you have had about against, really, most of other obstacles that you've come to in the game. And there are also bumpers, like these little moving, you know, they even sound like a pinball machine bumper when you knock into them, but they, you know, you hit them and they bounce you off in the same direction that you hit them. 
Mm -hmm. uh, and refresh your dash so you can continue on your way. And so this is a chapter where it's all about, like, I'm just realizing something. And this might be a stretch. But both the, the bumpers and the thwomps just, like, look real pissy when you hit them. Yeah. And so suddenly you're having to interact with and bounce off of and avoid and use to your advantage these things that just, like, are the personification of, like, grumpy emotional states. Yeah. And that might be a little bit of a stretch, but, I mean, they gave I, them I angry faces for a reason. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think there's something there. And all of this comes together in Chapter 7, which, like I said, is sort of a, a grand tour through... Well, I guess before we get there, first you have to reach and reconcile with Badalyn. And this is a boss fight. Like, Badalyn is firing laser beams and, and projectiles towards you that you need to avoid as you're making your way through these platforming challenges of, like, spikes and thwomps and needing to use your dash and use your use feathers to get through spikes and all of this stuff is coming all of the elements of this chapter are coming together into this sort of i'm gonna call it a boss rush because i think that's cute it's not a boss rush in the traditional sense but you sure are rushing to get to that boss um that was <laughs> not dumb. how a boss rush works <laughs> <laughs> no i know we'll we'll move on um i'll forgive your transgressions yeah. and again it ends when you reach her you don't fight her, you just have to touch her in each of these stages, and then she'll move on. And then when you finally get there, you reconcile. And it's it gives you these new abilities, and it, it serves as a moment of, like, Madeline realizing that she can't ignore or cut out these negative parts of her, but that doesn't mean they have to hold her back. Mm -hmm. And, again, if that's not relatable, I don't know what is. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah. If you can't look at that and recognize, like, some element of yourself, again, whether it is something as severe as a diagnosed anxiety or depressive situation, or just, like, like I said at the beginning, being a human being with history and baggage and, like, things about yourself that you don't like, that is a really powerful message. And the fact that you get to that message by taking more and more agency over the challenges that are in your way... Mm -hmm. I think is a really elegant way of exploring that issue. Chapter 7 has much less, like, import... Like, Chapter 7 is a victory lap, essentially. Yeah. Like, the meat of... And Chapter 7 serves as a, a, a kind of proof of concept of this, because in those sort of between, you know, you finish the little, like, mini gauntlet of the Chapter 1 traffic light blocks and spikes and stuff, and you're launching towards Chapter 2, and Madeline comes out, and she and Madeline kind of circle each other as they fly through the air, and they have a brief conversation about, like, you know... Maybe this isn't so bad. Maybe this isn't so bad, or Madeline might be like, I don't know, I'm still feeling really scared, and Madeline's like, it's okay, I, I totally get it, but we're gonna do it anyway, and, like, they kind of build this rapport through you completing the challenges and then that being mm -hmm. capped by their dialogue and you go through again it's sort of a greatest hits you have the start the the space jam you have the sludge you have i love it uh the clouds and the wind and then you finally reach the summit and you 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 have crested this mountain that is as much a physical mountain as it is like you know madeline's own quest to become a better person and it's fucking great I love this game so much. All right. So now that we've beat for beat uh, analyzed or, uh, you know, covered the, the game in mechanical terms, I just wanted to share some, like, overall general thoughts. Yeah, please. Okay, yeah, cool. The game starts out with a the voiceless text of God saying, 
take a deep breath, you got this. And I feel like that that just sums up this game in a nutshell. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, there have been times playing this game uh, where the difficulty has gotten me super tilt. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I don't think I've dropped uh, more F-bombs on any other game than I have on this. <laughs> uh, but, like, you know, to, to balance that out, uh, you know, I'll, I'll catch myself doing that. And I'll catch myself thinking back to the the very beginning of the game. And I take a deep breath. I slow down, um, I, I look at the problem, I try examining myself, seeing what has worked, what hasn't worked, and I, you know, I adjust my strategy and try to tackle the problem in a different way, or, you, you know, it, it's just yeah. kind of this thing where, like, I, you, I, I realize that I'm getting impatient, I am frenzying myself in a way that I don't need to, I need to slow down and take this more directly, and and I, 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 this has been like a constant reprisal, like throughout the entire playthrough I've had so far. Um, when trying to unlock the B sides, those are based on like kind of more of a rhythm game where like yep. every two beats the uh, the platform. Alternate. It's usually two beats, but yeah, the the platform alternates uh, between these red and blue uh, platforms. So two beats the the red platforms will be active, and then the blue platforms will be active, and you know. Uh, it's that, and you basically, you know, slow down, think about the rhythm, listen to the music, and, you know, the, the, the music will kind of calm you down and help you overcome the challenge. And so, uh, oh God, I had a couple other things, but, uh, yeah, no, we, but we like, covered, we covered a... the feather, we covered the, uh... <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, what you were just saying is a great thing, like, this game and the fact that they made it so difficult and the fact that it can be so frustrating serves as a really nice, like, microcosm for putting you in in the right headspace to very much sympathize with Madeline. And, like, yeah. obviously being frustrated at a game is very different from, like, you know, dealing with having actual real-world but... problems or being having anxiety or having depression or whatever. But the fact that they are able to tap into, like, that tilt reaction and that frustration and use it to drive home the point of the game is a really testament to how thoughtful they were in putting this thing together yeah i don't know why but i i think like the the most meaningful thing for me uh in this game was uh madeline and okay there's actually a couple things i want to talk about okay, it's all coming back to me uh <laughs> i i something that i really liked in the early game and like it's in the later parts of the game as well is that a lot of the dialogue is optional there mm -hmm. are cutscenes that uh you know you, you can have an interaction with theo but i it feels like he's missable, because it feels like you have to kind of go off the yeah, beaten path to find him. The first time you run the into him, he's, like, not in a section of the game that is necessary to complete chapter one. Yeah. Uh, you, you just kind of go out of your way to find him, and then, you know, when you, you talk to him the first time, uh, which I think I think that's mandatory if you approach him, Yeah. Uh, Madeline is kind of quiet for most of it, and, you know, it's up to you to, like, kind of push her out of her comfort zone and continue the conversation. Yep. Um, and that's, that's really, I, I really enjoyed that. That was a really nice touch. Yeah. That comes up again at the end of chapter five. It's either the end of chapter five or the beginning of chapter six. I don't remember how exactly. I don't the, either. The level break splits it up. But af after you've rescued Theo from the fishy mirror dimension, uh, there's a brief like cut scene where, you know, you have a conversation 
And that conversation can go on for a while, or you can just go to sleep really early on. Like, one of, like, it's sort of dialogue tree-esque, where every now and then you'll have the option of choosing what Madeline says next, and every time there's an option to end the conversation and go to bed. But you can keep talking, and you can, you know, explore this conversation, and it goes on for much longer than any of the previous ones, because Madeline is coming out of her shell. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I, I I really enjoy the uh, the writing in this game. <laughs> it's really sweet. It's really well written. And okay, now for real, the the actual final thing <laughs> I was going to say uh, is Theo's uh, climbing the mountain because, as he states, I just needed to lose myself for a while. And Madeline, Madeline or Madeline, however, <laughs> I, I I I don't know why I'm not Maddie. consistent about it. Yeah, good old Mads. <laughs> Mads Mikkelsen, star Mads of Mikkelsen. the bit game Celeste. Yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Madeline. Uh, <laughs> she her her stated reason is she just wants to see if she could, and I feel like that is kind of a summary on like why we play games in in general, or at least you know that's that's why I play games uh, sometimes if I'm dealing with like you know stress or anxiety. It's just to like decompress and. Calm down and see if you can, and I, I think that is something nice about, uh, especially challenging games, is to, like just to like, even if it's like you know a virtual accomplishment, it's just that kind of reassurance that like yeah, if I put my mind to something, I can power through and like do it. And I'm yeah. I'm having trouble like actually like phrasing this, but like no, but I I I, I get what you mean, and again like that's one of the beautiful things about this game is that there is such a strong parallel between that feeling as a player and the story they're telling about Madeline. You'll get Celeste, everyone. It's really good. It's It's a good game. It's it's a great game. It's not very expensive. No. And it's it's worth playing. And again, if you're the kind of person who's like, I think this sounds interesting, but I'm not, like, super familiar with platformers or I'm not that great at games and it sounds very hard, the assist mode is super well implemented. And... Mm -hmm. Like, there is no, like, if you want to experience the story and you think that the story sounds interesting, use the assist mode and experience the story. And if you decide that you're having fun with the challenge and you want to start, like, you know, experiencing a little more of that, turn assist mode off for a little bit. And if you get frustrated with that, turn assist mode back on. Like, yeah, play games. And don't yeah. let anyone poo-poo <laughs> you for playing games at the in the way that you want to play games. Because... The developers of Celeste didn't want that, and neither should you. Anyway. <laughs> it's all about having fun, my guy. Yeah, that's that's the end of my after-school special, and I think <laughs> that's about the end of this podcast. Uh, yeah, sounds about it. Yeah, Celeste's great. Go play it. Think about the games in your life that, that mean something to you, and think about the ways that they mechanically have put themselves together and see if there's any parallels there, because odds are good there probably are. Game designers are smart people a lot of the time. And maybe we'll talk more about that in the future. But for now, thank you for listening to Backstage Gaming. It's been great having you here. We hope to have you here again next week. Uh, In the meantime, please, if you like what we're doing, consider leaving a rating or a review on iTunes. That will really help us out. Tell your friends about this. Tell your family about this. Tell that guy you met on the side of the mountain about this. I bet Jeremy would like a podcast while he's mountaineering. Yeah, and you can also find us at our website, bsgpod.com, where you have info about me and Dylan and a contact form if you want to get in touch with us. It's cool. Uh, yeah, if you want to check us out on social media, I just want to say, Chris, that I, I did want to laugh at your uh, Jeremy thing 
but I, I was just smiling because it, it, thinking about Theo makes me smile. That's fair. Anyway, um, social media. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook, on Twitter. Our handle is at BSG underscore cast. And you can also find us on YouTube. Uh, if you want to, you know, interact with us a little bit, and I'm sorry, Chris, I, I've neglected this for the past I have too, weeks. it's okay. <laughs> All right. Aces. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wizard. Remember when people said wizard? Anyway. Uh, Radule Dancliffe. Tourette. I still say that. Good. <laughs> uh, you can use the uh, hashtag BSGpod. Yeah, use also, that to tell us about your favorite game that you had an emotional reaction to, or a, a game that you can think of where the mechanics mirror the story in a particularly elegant way. Yeah, do it. You won't. <laughs> <laughs> um, huge thanks to our friend, Brendan French, for the key art he has provided us. Uh, you should check out his stuff at brennan-french.squarespace.com. That is B-R-E-N-N-E-N hyphen french dot squarespace dot com or you can find him on instagram dot com slash brennan french arts you should also check out our buddy bio query he's the musician behind our theme song dot sound radio volume one instrumentality uh he's great he does a lot of cool electronica he does some production work for collaborations he's got several eps and singles out and you can find those by going to spotify and searching for bio query that's b-i-o-q-u-e-r-y or by going to soundcloud.com slash bioquery. One more thank you to the HP Video Game Podcast Network for having us on. Go check them out. Check out some of the other shows. There's a lot of great stuff looking at this weird medium that we all like so much from different angles. Thank you to our patrons. Again, if you like what we're doing and you want to support it more and help it grow, patreon.com slash bsgpod is the place to do that. And I don't think I have anything else to say. I don't either. Well... Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. And remember, I love you. I love you, too. Sweet dreams. We both love you. We're, we're your video game dads. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>